0: Well, again, welcome uh, today and welcome to those that will be joining online. I'm so proud of you for being here this morning because it is, you know, spring forward and it's hard to spring forward. I was talking to Riley this morning who was on the end, the young person on our worship team. She said, Pastor Dan, Pastor Jimmy took us to the Cavs game last night, so we're out there late. It was a late night and then we lost an hour of sleep. She was here early to practice, but uh, she said, Pastor Dan, I'm tired, but, you know, I'm glad I'm here. And didn't our worship team just do a great job? I'm so thankful for our worship team. For for all those that are involved, they, they're so faithful. So I understand if you're a little sluggish this morning, but I need your energy, okay? I need some help up here. So just say praise the Lord. Say God's good. Say hallelujah. All right, he inhabits the praises of his people, and it's good to have a joyful spirit, because where the joy of the Lord is, there is strength. So we're in week three of this series we're calling Limitless, because... I don't want us to put limits on what God can do in our lives. I don't want us to put limits on what God can do in our church because we serve a limitless God. There's no limit on what God can do, so let's not put limits on God. And Jesus even said this. He came saying this, John chapter 10, 10. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So the reason that Jesus came was so that you could have life, so that we could have life, so that I could have life. And not just life halfway, but but life to the full. He doesn't want us on empty. He wants to fill us with his power and his spirit and his wisdom and his grace and his mercy. He wants us to experience the full life. But Jesus says this, there's a fight for that. There's a battle for that. See, there's good and there's evil. There's light and there's darkness. There's there's a thief, but there's a savior. And Jesus wants us to know that that we're going to have to fight for this life in the full. And so week one, we talked about the first thing that we have to fight, and that is fear. We're all going to have to fight fear. And if you remember, fear is our boat. Fear is the boat that we're comfortable in, the known, and the the boat that we don't want to step out of. And we talked about Peter and how he overcame his fear and stepped out of the boat to where Jesus was, to where the miracle was. And we learned that Jesus said this, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So what Jesus is saying is, There is something to be afraid of, but it's not what we think. See, the someone to be afraid of is the one, it's Jesus. And when we fear and reverence Jesus, the one who is eternal, then the temporary things that we often fear, the some ones or the somethings that we often fear on this earth, those things lose their grip on us because when we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, the one who is eternal, suddenly these earthly things lose their grip on us and the fear goes away. That's the secret to overcoming fear, to fear the one, to reverence the one who has power over all things. But after we step out of the boat, if we have the courage to step out of the boat and go to Jesus, the next thing that happens is doubt. We're out there, we're out of our boat, and these doubts, these, these feelings come in. And we talked about this last week, and, and doubt is a feeling that can prevent us from doing what God wants us to do, and we're tempted to go back to that boat, the known place. But here's the key to overcoming doubt. See, when Peter steps out of the boat and he gets his eyes on the wind and the boisterous wind and he starts sinking, has these feelings of doubt, immediately Jesus reaches out his hand and he catches Peter and he says, you have little faith, and faith is the key. He said, why did you doubt? Because doubt is based on feelings but faith is based on facts and when we remember the facts of God the facts of Jesus and Jesus even gives Peter another fact here that when we doubt because 100% of Christ followers doubt he will still never give up on us he will reach down and pull us out of our doubt and help us to move on and we just called everyone to remember the facts of, of God and all that he has done in our lives in the past and in the present and will do in the future. And when you start remembering the facts of God, well listen, your faith will go always, always go up. And so today, I want to talk to you about something that is guaranteed to happen. Because if we step out of the boat, overcome the fear, if we get through the doubts and go back to faith, I guarantee you this. And, and I hate to tell you this because I am your pastor, but I guarantee this will happen. You will fail you will fail you will experience failure it's just a part of life as brian so so said it so well in in the beginning in the call to worship failure is just a part of life see there's this country song that is called letter to me don't you just love country songs it's called a letter to me and the, the the idea behind this country song is if if you could you know, look back on your life. Look back on your life five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it may be, 20, 30 years ago. Look back on your life. If you could write a letter to yourself and it would be underneath your bed and you would find it and you would read it and it was from you, what would you write? what would you say to yourself? What would you write to yourself? And the reason, the, kind of the, the, the thing behind this song is that, is that there's failures in our life in the past. There's things that, that we failed at and wish would've went differently, and if we could just write a letter to ourselves and go back and then read it, maybe we could avoid those failures. So I was thinking about this question, uh, what, what would you write? And, and I thought about this. One of the things that I would write to myself is this, that God cares more about this church than you do. So just relax, just relax. I think another thing I would write to myself is this, is that, that ministry is a marathon, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon, it's not a sprint. Um, I think another thing I would write to myself is this, is to have more faith in God and not my own efforts. You know, Just to have more faith in God and, and not my own efforts. So, I want you to think about this now. As you're looking back on on your life and thinking about your life, what would you write? And just to kind of get you involved here, uh, if if you were to look back and think about your life, would anyone write something that had to do with a previous relationship? Maybe there's some relationship issue and and you would write to yourself something about a a relationship gone wrong. Raise your hand up high. Okay, all, all four, five of you. Okay, there you go, all right. I think there's probably more, but that's okay. If you, there, thank you, John. If, if, if so, how many of you, if you were looking back, you would write something about a financial decision you made, you know, you made a financial decision you would write something, yourself. okay good, good, a financial decision. How many of you, if you were thinking about this and you would write a letter to yourself, you would, you, would, you would write something that, that had to do with your health and how you were caring for your body. If you would go back and write, all right, all right, good, good, thank you. How many of you, if you were thinking about what you would write to yourself, you, you would write something that had to do with a, a career decision or a job, something that happened at work. You would write, write something back. Okay, okay, good. And then how many of you, if you were to write something uh, back to yourself, you would write down the winning number to the Mega Millions lottery? Uh, how many would write that? There you go, there you go. All right, so. And then how many would tithe on your winnings? Okay, <laughs> there we go. All right, thank you very much. That, that would be good. Just, just inject a, a, little, a little bit of humor there. So I think we would all, you know, write something back to ourselves because we all know that failing hurts. I mean, we all avoid failure. We kinda of have this like negative relationship with failure because we, we know that, that it hurts and we know that it's something that we don't want to feel and so we often try to avoid it. But I want you to look at me and I want you to look up at the screens and I, I really want you to hear this right now. In life, failure is not an option. It is a necessity. And 100 percent of Christ's followers fail. Failure is not an option in life. It is a necessity. and 100 percent of Christ's followers, they fail in life. And I want to illustrate this to you through a man named Jonah. We're kind of staying on the whole ocean lake scene, the whole water scene. We're going to go to another story that, that happened uh, in, uh, out, out on the water. And it's this man named Jonah. And it's in the Old Testament. And it's very hard to find because it's like two pages long. So it's kind of towards the end of the Old Testament. Uh, Jonah was a minor prophet. And Jonah was a man that God asked to go help these people that needed help. There's a lot of people that needed help and God speaks to Jonah and says, hey, will you go and help these people that desperately need uh, to hear from me and, and need my help? So this is the story about Jonah going to help these people, which is really what ministry is all about. That's what this is all about is helping other people. And so Jonah has these ministry strategies. Jonah's ministry strategies that, I, that I'm calling this, and I wanna share these with you because they're actually really rather humorous. There's, there's five ministry strategies, tra- strategies that Jonah had, and, and here is the very first one. Run the other way, that's number one, okay? Run the other way, that's, that's his first strategy. How do you get that, Pastor Day? Well, well, here it is in Jonah chapter one, verse three. After God asked Jonah to go help these people, this is what Jonah does. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. He ran away from the Lord. So sometimes God asks us to do something and and here's ministry strategy number one for Jonah. I am gonna run away as far as I can from what God is asking me to do. That's number one. All right, here we go. Number two, here's the next ministry strategy. Refuse to change, refuse to change, all right? if you know the story, if you don't know the story, I'll, I'll, I'll fill you. in. so Jonah gets on a boat and he's running away from these people that God wants him to help, as far away as he can get from these people. So he's on this boat out, out on the water and God sends this storm and this is a violent storm and all these sailors that are on the ship with Jonah, they're gonna lose their lives. And so these sailors start asking, all right, who did it? Who did what? Because they didn't necessarily believe in the God of Jonah but they believed in God. So they're like, who, who messed up? Who did it? Who, who caused the gods to be angry? And, and they're just, they're asking this question because they're actually gonna lose their lives. Now, you would think that this storm that was gonna cost Jonah his life and all these other guys life, you would think that that would make Jonah change his mind about following God, but no. He refused to change. This is actually what Jonah said to the, to the other sailors in Jonah chapter one, verse 12. He says this, he goes, just pick me up and throw me into the sea. I would rather you guys throw me into the sea than go help the people that God wants me to help. So just pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm because I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. And the crazy thing about this story is these guys, these other sailors in this boat, once Jonah confesses that it's him, they're so nice. They're they're so nice. They don't throw him over. They don't throw him overboard. What they actually try to do is row to, to the shore, row to safety to try to save Jonah's life who caused this to happen to them. That's how great these guys were, but they... Row and row and row, and they can't get to the, to the side of, 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 the, of the sea and get to safe ground. So they, they throw him overboard, which leads to the next ministry strategy that Jonah had. Number three was to be inconsistent. Be inconsistent. So Jonah gets thrown into the sea and this whale comes and swallows up Jonah. So Jonah's in the belly of the whale, and do you believe this really happened, Pastor Dan? Yes, I do, and the reason I believe it is because Jesus Christ actually referred to this story. Jesus said, just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days, I will be in the belly of the earth and I will rise again. So Jesus believed that this really happened. So Jonah's in the belly of this whale, and in the belly, he kinda has the come to Jesus moment. So he, he begins to turn and begins to say, okay, God, I'm gonna do what you want me to do. I'm gonna go help these people. And, and once he does that, he prays this prayer in the belly of the, of the whale. The whale spits him up and he's on on the, on the land and he goes to, to help these people in Nineveh and he does exactly what God asks him to do. And the awesome thing is, is these people that needed help, they get the help and their lives start to change. They, they get turned around and they, they start following after God. So this is an awesome thing. And do you know what Jonah says to that? But Jonah seemed, this seemed very wrong to Jonah, and he became angry. So this guy that, you know, he, he was like, okay, I'm going to go after you, God. I'm not going to go after you, God. Now I'm going to go after you, God, and do it you want. But then when it happened, he says, no, no, to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he got angry over the fact that these people were turning to God, which leads to the fourth strategy that, that Jonah implemented, the lack of passion for others. The lack of passion for others. He just had a lack of passion to help other people. And in Jonah chapter 4, verse 2, he prays to the Lord. Now he's praying to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home, that it, that, 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 that is what I tried to uh, for, forestall by fleeing to Tarsus? I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. You're slow to anger and abounding in love, a, a God who relents from sending calamity. That, 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 that was his thoughts toward these people that needed help, which leads to his. The final ministry strategy, the lack of maturity, the lack of maturity. So, you know, he, he's outside of the town now, and he's underneath this plant. It was hot, and this plant provides him shade, and then it goes away, and, and we pick it up here in Jonah chapter 4, verse 9. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plan? And this is what Jonah says. It is, it is, it's, it's, it is right for me to be angry. He said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. Isn't that a mature response to God? Just such maturity there to God uh, about, about this whole situation. So those, those are Jonah's five ministry strategies. So here's the question I have for all of us to think about today. Why is this in the Bible? Why is this even in the Bible? If you were putting together a book that was trying to prove you know, God's existence and all this kind of thing, why would you put this story in the Bible? Because this is failure after failure after failure. If there's ever a picture of failure, it's Jonah. Why in the world would this be in the Bible? And I thought about this and maybe this is the answer. Maybe it's because Our lives really aren't a whole lot different than Jonah's. Have you ever run? (laughs) Have you ever run before? Have you ever run away from what God was calling you to do? Have you you ever been, uh, 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 just refused to change? Have you ever ever just refused to change? I'm just gonna sit in the seat I've always sat in, and I will never leave this place. Have you ever just refused refused to move? Have you ever just, just, been, uh, just been very uh, inconsistent in your commitment? Have you ever been there? Have you ever lacked passion just for others? Have you ever lacked passion for others? Like there's other people that, that really need God and, and you could care less. Have you ever been immature? Have you, have you ever been immature? I mean, you're just, you're just, just a little whiner. You're just immature. <laughs> Have you ever been any of those things? I know I've been all of those things. I've been every single one of those. and I, th- I think I've been some of, them, some of them this week. In fact, I've been, I've been that way. I have failed over and over and over again. I really have. I really have. And maybe this is in the Bible to teach us something about failure. Because when we fail, when we experience failure, again, a lot of times we wanna quit, we wanna give up. oh, I failed, I quit. Or we experience failure and we say, well, this this must not be God's will, this this must not be what God wants for me. Or or we experience failure and say, well, God can never use me because I'm such a mess. I've messed up so badly, God can never use me. But when we read this story about Jonah, I mean, doesn't it speak to us to say that no? I mean, Jonah failed and failed and failed, but God still used him. I mean, Jonah failed and failed and failed, but God stood by Jonah's side. I mean, Jonah failed and failed and failed, but God still used Jonah to do a great thing. And I don't know about you, but that encourages me that, that wow, God could even use me, even though I failed and failed over and over and over again. See, this is what God says about failure. God does not want failure to limit you, but God wants failure to grow you. God doesn't want failure to limit you, but God wants failure to grow you. But the key to letting failure grow you is this. You have to do one thing. You have to be committed to one thing. And the one thing that you have to be committed to is this. You have to be heavy on vision and you have to be light on plans. You've gotta be heavy on vision and you've gotta be light on plans. What are you talking about? Well, we love our plans. We love our plans, we love our plans because our plans are the way we think it should go. And we get concerned about our plans and we get upset over our plans and we have plans for our life and plans for our finances and plans for our future and we have our plans and we like our plans because there are plans and we put so much into our plans that when failure comes, we often get very discouraged and can quit or think God's not in this. And what we need to be is light on plans, but heavy on vision. And let me show this to you at the very end of Jonah, at the very end of Jonah, because God gives us this secret. He gives us this insight into really helping failure to grow us and not limit our lives. In Jonah 4, at the very end, 10 and 11, but the Lord said, and he's talking to Jonah now, at the very end of this, you have been concerned. You've been concerned about this plan You've been concerned about this plant though you did not tend it or make it grow. So you had this plan, Jonah, to be under this, this plant and, and get shade, that was your plan and that's what you're concerned about. Even though you had nothing to do with that, that was, that was your concern. It sprang up overnight and died overnight, just like our plans. Our plans, they come and they go, they spring up and they die. They come and they go, that's just how life is, that's how, how, the, how, how it happens. And this is what God, and this, is, this is what I really want you to get. I, want, I really want you to see this. This is what God says. You. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, God says to Jonah? I mean, just great concern for this great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000, what? People. More than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. And that's not that they were dumb or stupid or ignorant. They were just confused about life. They didn't know what life was really about. And I love this. And also many animals, God loves animals. He cares about the animals. Shouldn't I be concerned about more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? See, God, looks at us and, and, he, and he thinks about our plans and he, and he sees our plans and our plans again, they're, they're, they come and they go, they're, they're not the most important thing although we put so much weight into them and he says, listen, Your plans aren't the main thing. There's a bigger picture than your plans. There's a bigger picture than what you're really thinking about or concerned about. There's a bigger vision that I have for this world, a bigger vision that I have for this planet and all the people in this planet. Um, You know, we would plan and plan and plan to win football games. You know, that that was our, our game plan. We would work so hard to plan. to to win the games and we had a lot of good plans and they would work uh, a lot of the time but when we got into the game, sometimes the plans didn't work and if you're ever watching any kind of athletic event, no matter what it is, the biggest difference are the halftime adjustments if there is a halftime because it's it's a time to to adjust the plan and the greatest coaches, they, they adjust the plan because they have a bigger vision. See, the bigger vision is to win the game And if the plan isn't working to win the game in the first half, well, you need to change the plans to win the game. And you could say, oh, well, our plans aren't working, we just weren't meant to win this game, we're just failures, we're just bad coaches, we're just gonna quit, we're just gonna give up. Or you can say, no, we're gonna allow the failure that we experienced in the first half to help us grow as coaches, to help us grow as players. And we're going to make these adjustments. We're going to change our plans because there's a bigger vision to win the game. And see, it was even a bigger vision than to win the game. The bigger vision really for our team was to be a team. See, the bigger vision for us wasn't just about winning or losing games. The bigger vision is that we would be a team and we would stick together in the highs and the lows. And we had that bigger vision for our guys because we knew they were going to graduate from college and go into the real world and there were going to be ups and downs in the real world. There were going to be victories and failures and and they were going to have to go through life and they're going to have a family and we wanted them to have a bigger vision of when the times got tough and there was failure, they they didn't leave and they didn't depart and they didn't quit on each other, but they would stick together with their family and stick together with their church and stick together with their friends and stick together with their team and they wouldn't give up on each other. Because there's a bigger vision of loving one another and being a team and being together that would get them through life in a way that would be so fulfilling and amazing. See, we were teaching something in football that we wanted them to learn in life. And I would just propose this to you that God was teaching Jonah something. Even though his ministry strategies were failure after failure after failure, God stuck with Jonah and God was teaching Jonah, no matter how much you failed, I will not leave you. In fact, I will even use you because I have a bigger vision to reach so many people that don't even know their left hand from their right. And I would say this to us, Kent Nazarene, God has a big vision for us, no matter how much we may have failed, to reach hundreds of thousands of people that don't know their left or their right for Jesus Christ that's a big vision that God has for us. And our vision is real simple. It's that people would know God Because God has a spiritual journey for everyone. God has a journey for every single person to take. It's more than just the forgiveness of sins. It's that, it begins there. But God wants to take and forgive you and then sanctify you and fill you with this spirit and move you into this spiritual journey that is like no other. It's absolutely the best way to live. There's no greater joy than being on the spiritual journey that God has for you. And once you know God, he wants you to find freedom. He wants you to find other people that you can take your mask off and really open up to and be real and be genuine and share the struggles that you have in life. And that's why our small groups are so important. And that's why we want people to get in circles and talk because when you actually have a chance to be honest and open up, there's healing, there's transformation that can happen. And then he wants you to discover purpose. He wants you to know how he designed you. And that's what Growth Track Step 2 is all about today. We, we give a labs where you can discover your design because there's hope attached to your calling. If, if you're lacking hope today, there's hope attached to your calling. When you do what Jesus has designed you to do, he fills you with hope. He fills you with hope so you can make a difference in life. There's no greater thing to make a difference in someone else's life. It's absolutely amazing. You know what? You make a difference in people's lives. On Monday, there there was a a, a celebration, a going home service for Yana Caller, she, she was a 13-year-old that had fought cancer for six or seven years, diagnosed with leukemia. And it's a long story, but, but she came to, uh, to, to meet me and her mom and dad, Arlen and Letitia, and the whole family came to meet me through Upward uh, Next Gen basketball at, at, a, at a banquet. And, and God just orchestrated this whole thing. And, and, and in this place, in this place on Monday, there was, this place was absolutely full. And I will just tell you, the spirit of the almighty God moved into this place and we had church on Monday morning and it was a celebration, it was a going home service and I will tell you, it was absolutely amazing. For hours there were people lined up all the way out this aisle, all the way out to our front door. For hours there were people coming and just expressing love to, Leticia and Arlen and the family, and it was an absolutely God-anointed, amazing time. And that would not have happened if there weren't a group of people a 100 years ago that said, you know what, there needs to be a church in Canton, Ohio, a Nazarene church in Canton, Ohio, that's gonna make a difference in people's lives. And we stand on the shoulders of those that have come before us and have believed that people need to know God and find freedom and discover purpose and make a difference. And because of that, we are here today. And because of that, on Monday, a family that's not even members of our church was ministered to in a powerful way. That's how God works. Yeah, that deserves a praise from God. And you say, well... Well, come on Pastor Dan you know I've been I've been praying and praying and praying for this person who doesn't know God and and they don't know God yet I've just been praying and I know some of you have and I've talked to one this morning but I will just tell you this God's word does not come back void and if God saved a man like Saul and turned him into Paul and wrote most of the New Testament God can save anyone from their sins he can break through the hardened heart so don't give up you say, well, I mean, I've, been in a, I've tried the small group, and I've tried to open up and be in it, just, and it just doesn't work. So are you just going to quit on it then? Are you just going to say, you know what, God, there's no person in my life that you have for me to build a genuine relationship with and really open up with it. And for God to do, are you just going to give up on it because you had a bad experience? No, why would you do that? God has freedom for you. If I were you, I'd start asking God, oh, God, help me to find that small group. Help me to find that person. God will answer that prayer if you really want to find freedom. He will. I just, he will. Oh, discover, I, you know, I went through the growth track, and I found out my spiritual gifts, and it's just not working for me. Do you know, do you know what? I'll just... I am never done with discovering my purpose. I go through the spiritual gifts over and over again. I keep taking the assessments. I keep looking into it. I have my spiritual gifts listed on my wall because this is God's design for his church, for you to know your spiritual gifts and passions and for God to take your design and do the good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. So if you give up on that, you're missing out on an amazing thing called discover your purpose. Don't give up on it. Man, you know, I, I tried to make a difference and just, it I just absolutely blew it. It just, just failed and, it, you know, and, 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 I, and I just, listen, I've been there. I mean, I've tried to make a difference so many times and walked away thinking, wow, you know, that was absolutely a train wreck. You know what often happens? Someone will come back and say, that was amazing, that was absolutely awesome, you know? That's what they'll say, and you know what I know? Well, God, you know what, because God was in it. Because again, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't my efforts, it was, it was God moving, it was, it was God moving in a direction. See, vision is a preferred future. Vision is a preferred future. And when you have vision, when you have vision for your life, Failure is no longer something that you shun, it's no no longer something that you fear, it's no longer something you feel bad about because when you're heavy on vision, you're seeing the preferred future and failure just becomes a means to an end to accomplish the vision. Oh, it failed, okay, it didn't go right. That's just helping me get one step closer to the preferred future that God has for me. So I would challenge you to think about this, to pray about this. What is your preferred future for your family life? Just imagine. Just imagine in your family life, if, if, if the vision for your family life was that you would submit to your husband and husbands that you would submit to your wife. Imagine if that was truly the vision that you two would just submit to. You couldn't out-submit each other. You would just submit and submit. And that's a good marriage, right? There. That's a vision for a marriage. That's, that's God's plan. Imagine if your family life, if the vision for the children, if the vision for the teenagers would just be submit to the authority of their parents. Imagine if that was your vision. And imagine parents if your vision was just to not frustrate your kids. And the kids would say, amen. Imagine parents if your vision wasn't to frustrate your kids, but to pour your life and your love and your prayers and your support into your kids. Imagine if that was the vision for your life. Imagine if at work in school, the vision. Imagine if the vision wasn't just to get good grades at school. Imagine if the vision was to learn so you could be the best whatever you're trying to be. You know? Imagine if it was it was a bigger vision than grades. It was a vision to be a lifetime learner where you could just go into your field and just continue to learn and make a great impact. Imagine if your vision at work was to be an encourager. You just, I'm gonna, my vision is to go into my workplace and just, encourage people to speak life to people. Imagine if that was your vision, how much different your your week would be. Imagine if your financial vision was just to be generous, just to every year I'm gonna be more and more generous. I'm gonna give more and more to the kingdom of God. I'm just gonna, to give to things eternal. Imagine if your vision for your physical life wasn't to go on a diet or to exercise. Imagine if your vision was just to be healthy. Imagine if that was your vision. I, I want to take care of the temple of god just to have a healthy temple that honors god imagine if your mental your attitude vision was just to be positive and and just to just to see life uh half full and joy and just a positive mental vision for your life and imagine if the vision for your spiritual life was just to be all in for God imagine if that was a vision it wasn't going to church or or it it wasn't reading your Bible or just praying it wasn't wasn't these things your vision was I just want to give my entire life to God I just ever a hundred percent in with God imagine if that was your vision see when you're heavy on vision and you're light on plans failure and success they don't really matter as much it's more like trial and error because the vision is driving your life. Do you get it? Do you understand? And that's what God was trying to help Jonah see. There's a bigger vision, Jonah. These plans that, that you have and these plans that we have, they're gonna come and they're gonna go. Even good plans, plans that worked you know, for many years, they don't always work. I mean, plans quit working, but the vision never changes. And if you have God-type vision, this is what God will say to you. He'll say, be strong and courageous. He'll say, Rose, don't give up on that vision. Be strong and courageous. He'll say, don't be afraid. Don't be terrified. Don't let the doubts creep in because of them. Whatever's coming against you, don't let that happen because the Lord your God goes with you. When you have godly vision in all these areas, God goes with you. He never leaves you. He will never leave you nor forsake you I mean that's our God that's our God and that's why this prayer is so important because there's some people here that you haven't taken the first step to know God there's there's some of you here that that you really haven't gone all in with God you haven't taken that step And really to have all the other vision for your life, you need to start with the spiritual vision of of who Jesus is. Because Jesus had this vision to transform this world and you could look at his life and you could could look at it and say there was failure after failure after failure. When Jesus spoke, people left. When Jesus spoke, the crowds didn't get bigger, they got smaller, they they left. when he taught his disciples over and over, they didn't get the lesson. They kept failing. Jesus himself is trying to teach. And they failed. They never got it. They kept failing over and over. I mean, you could look at the fact that Rome won. I mean, they crucified him. They killed him. That His closest followers betrayed Jesus experienced failure after failure after failure. But the vision was so big that Jesus didn't see it as failure. It was just one more step to the vision that God called him to. And aren't you thankful that the only person in heaven that'll have scars will be Jesus? Like when you leave this earth, you're gonna be completely healed and renewed. The only person in heaven with scars will be Jesus and his hands and his feet and his side and his head to remind you to never give up. Never give up on the vision. Be heavy on vision and light on plans because God has a vision. Plans will change, that's okay. The vision will never change. And here's the vision. Here's what he wants, that we would say, Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that he was raised from the dead to forgive my sins and that I would receive your grace by faith and come into my life, I will follow you, amen. And there may be someone here that wants to pray that prayer today. So I'd like everyone to bow your heads and close your your eyes. And if there's anyone that wants to make that decision, I'm gonna invite you today to pray this prayer from your heart to God. If it's sincere, you'll take that first step Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that he was raised from the dead to forgive my sins. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. I will follow you. In Jesus' name.